Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And I have found a fellow Irish Irish descent on the show today. His name is Irvin Nugent. He is not related to Ted. We want to put that out there right now so we don't get all these inquiries after the show. Irvin believes that leadership development is a journey from the inside out, and I'm very excited to explore that with him. He believes that if our emotional intelligence is lacking, then any new business skill we attempt to implement will be adversely impacted. He has spent most of his career helping leaders harness the power of their emotions so they can have deeper connections, make better decisions, and increase their influence. So Irvin, welcome to the show. Deb, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. Oh, you are a kindred spirit. Your languaging and just your your outlook on leadership just falls so beautifully in line with the show and my heart-centered leadership model that I utilize on top of my coaching curriculum. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my first leadership question, and it's how you describe who you are as a leader. Tell me when you discovered that leadership really is an inside job. Great question. I think for me, uh, what I discovered was um, I had um, taken over a new job. It was a leadership job of a large organization of 400 people. And I'd always wanted to be like a job like that. And I got on the job and I didn't know if anyone else has had this experience, but you know, you go through all the interviews and this organization is explained to you. It's this, it's that, and the other. And then you go in and you think, is this the same organization? And like all these problems started to, to rear, you know, come out of the carpet that then been swept under. And I made some real rookie mistakes. Um, I made the first mistake I made was that I, I initiated change too quick. Um, I didn't listen. And, um, and all of a sudden, the board of directors who were all for hiring me now were like had a target and it was right, you know, for me. And, um, and I realized that um, I was in many ways paralyzed. And uh, with fear, I was paralyzed with uh, not being able to make a decision. And then I realized these are all stuff that's going on inside. This is not because I'm not able to make a decision. It's because something's going on that I need to deal with. And I think that's really where I I realized it. It's, you know, it's those, I call them intersectional moments because Mm -hmm. I, I don't like when people say, oh, it's a deja vu or what a coincidence or is this serendipitous? I think it's easy to, to use those words or catch phrases but it's, it's exactly how you just framed it. You paused and went, wait a minute here. This is, this is my stuff. This is, this is my internal dialogue, my inner script, my habits of thinking that are sabotaging my talents. 
Yes. So it's so interesting to hear leaders talk about that. And it's, it's being heart centered, it's being vulnerable and transparent, because none of us are perfect. Hence no. the name of this show. We're all imperfect. Absolutely. And of course, there's this huge expectation, this internal expectation, which then we perceive as like externally as well, all this weight on the world. And, you know, I, I always say about leadership, leadership is, is an act of bravery um, in today's world, um, because there's a lot of eyes on you. And, um, and to be vulnerable with all those eyes on you is, is not an easy task, but essential. Absolutely. And each decade, I think it brings another depth of awareness and you know, it gives people the ability to put us under the microscope more. Mm -hmm. But when you're seated in your own self-awareness and self-worth, it almost becomes reflective, those comments, because you, you can always come back to your whole self. It's almost like mastering the, the art of emotional agility, like you talk about. I yeah. think, I think the umbrella of emotional intelligence is a big one. There's mm -hmm. many, many little legs underneath that umbrella mm -hmm. that we have to work on daily. Yeah. So my second question is the one that I decided to keep as permanent residence on the show. What imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? So going back to that first example, I think one of the lessons that came out of that, and as I've continued to get older, I've realized, is that I have a need for security. And that security at times gets in the way of me being a better leader. And uh, I know where it comes from. I grew up in the troubles in Northern Ireland. I grew up in a society that had fallen apart, that I grew up in the midst of violence. And so it's only natural that, that I have this desire to be secure and safe. Um, but it's, uh, it has prevented me taking some risk in my life or living bigger than really I should have, you know? And so um, I've learned now what that feels like. I've learned uh, when it shows. And, you know, rather than um, what I've learned about it, rather than create it as an enemy, I've created it as a friend. This, this is a, th th there's good in this. The, the reason why I want to be safe has a good reason. But at this time in my life, maybe I just say, okay, you know, it's going to be okay. And I just need to push a little harder. So that, what I say, is my, my imperfection that's constantly there with me. Well, and I think that's a good imperfection to have because mm -hmm. I think when we become settled, it encourages us to be complacent. Yeah. And if we just bump along day by day, same old, same old, where's the growth? Where's yeah. where's the passion and the drive and the action and, and the intention to do so? And yeah. I, I think we all need to have our toe just a little bit out of that comfort zone just to say, I'm going to I'm going to just take a little break from the fear, acknowledge it, but I'm going to go for it and not worry about the weight on your shoulders of other people's opinions. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 easy, easier said than done at times, but I think and, and part of that wisdom is is the is the ability that that uh to take the risk and to know that that whatever you imagine most often doesn't happen. In fact, the opposite. Well, I always look at what I, I'm going to frame as the underdog who makes it. Yeah. You know, I, I recently had watched a documentary of Pink, the, the singer. Mm -hmm. And she talks about her life and her formidable years. And she could have gone down, you know, the wrong road. 
But when she got uh, an Icon Award recently in the last year, she said, I always knew I was going to get this. And it didn't come from a place of ego. It came from a place of belief. And she said, if you think dreams don't come true, you're looking at one right now. So whenever you see the underdog kind of, my Irish Nana used to say, the cream always rises to the top, <laughs> right? Absolutely. I've heard that a few times myself. Now share with me your perceptions or interpretation. How do you feel or how have you helped to remove the armor that sits on a lot of leaders' chests that you know, we'll all, let's call it the wall of resistance because business acumen is taught academically that you have to have everything wrapped up and it has to be solid and professional. How do you weave heart-centered leadership into business acumen and what's been your kind of observation or experience with leaders in this regard? So first of all, um, there's an approach I like to take, which is I, I've worked a lot with the scientific community. And uh, so part of that is, you know, don't bring emotion into this, you know, leave emotions at the door. We are logical. We are factual. This is the way we deal with this. And I always come back with science and I said, you know what? I hear you, but that's not how we were created as human beings. And uh, emotions are there because uh, they are integral to our welfare and they're integral to relationships. And, um, and, you know, I always have this little exercise, which I do with people is, you know, think about a person that a memorable leader that has impacted you and still impacts you. And what, what is it they did? And they start listing all these things and they're all to do with emotional connection. They're all to do with the connection we make. And I think that I said, you know, this, this is, if you want to be a memorable leader, and I think most people do, then this is, this is um, what's important. And then I think the other thing is to distinguish, I don't know if you find this, Deb, is that, you know, most people think, well, you're going to be this emotional connection. It's going to be my deep, dark secrets. And I said, no. I said, there are workplaces today where people are afraid to say, I don't know. Um, help me. These single things, you know, and if you can create as a leader a space which can begin to tear down this and people see that I'm in relationship with other people who are not out to stab me in the back and, and together we can do something greater, then I think you're on the path, I think, to creating a workplace that we want to belong in. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because I look at the unprecedented times we've navigated since last March. And psychological safety has become a larger proponent than ever. Yeah. And, you know, C-suite leaders, you know, not only are they driving the ship, trying to keep it pointed at the North Star through the tsunami, operate at a level that they're expected, a high standard, even driving, again, through the tsunami, and more importantly, making sure they're fostering and maintaining a healthy, vibrant culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a huge amount of pressure. And, um, and I think that's where mistakes can be made. Because I think then I, I think we forget that uh, at the core, people still want to belong. And just that that belonging has to be a workplace that I like to call is more human. Absolutely. Human centric, heart centered. It's, yeah. you know, it makes me I'm a big I'm a big neuroscience geek. So you and I have that in common. I always laugh when I'm working with my artificial intelligence folks because I'm like, I get it, but data doesn't lie. 
Mm-mm. And no. you're not going to find me a robot with a robust personality. Mm-hmm. And you won't have your data if you don't have your people. And you won't yeah. have your people if you're not leading them with heart. Yeah. So it's that yeah. intersection I was talking mm-hmm. about earlier with you. Yeah. And and it comes up for me as well, you know, kind of sometimes I, I part of my teaching is on credibility assessment. You know, when is a person lying or telling the truth? And I said, you know, AI may help us read things in the face. They may help us, you know, judge muscle movement. But where they never will do is the creativity of human questions. And so this ability to read and then to respond and to have that adaption in the moment, I said, is is uniquely human. It's It's uniquely human and it's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's nothing like a meaningful conversation with someone else, even though we can't totally have face to face yet. I'm just so grateful for Zoom and, and doing interviews that I can still see my guest's face and have that interaction. Right. Absolutely. Now, my last question is you describe your leadership style as inclusive and you alluded that whose voices are not being heard. Explain to us how you assessed and realized you were an inclusive leader and give us your eloquent breakdown of of listening and where that sentence comes from. So it's a great question. Um, I think um, I have to go back to my childhood. I grew up in a society where people were excluded and were not invited to the table. And I think it placed in my heart a tenderness to and also a, a skill that that I just have an ability when I walk into a room, I'm very aware of who hasn't spoken. And that's just somewhat something that I've carried with me. And I think um, I started then to use that as a leader. I started, you know, to build in just at the end of meetings. You know, there's there's a few people here at this meeting who haven't spoken. And I know for some people they like to process, etc. But if you're comfortable, is there anyone here who's anything being said? And, and just allowing, you know, expanding that circle of, of inclusion is an amazing thing. And so for me then, I think that has been a hallmark of, um, I, I have, I've always surprised at when, when you, when you give time to that and you dedicate that to what comes to the table. And, and as an, and then as a coach, when I hear people who are reticent, to speak, I'm hearing the other side of it then, you know, people, what if I'm being judged or what if this or that, the other. And a question I always say to people I'm coaching is, what's the cost of your voice not being heard? And and I think, you know, the more voices we hear, I think the more buy-in we get, the more inclusive we are, and the better decisions we make. Oh, absolutely. And more importantly, you know, what price are you paying to, to uh climb that proverbial ladder yeah Mm. that's a a good one i like that Mm. okay i'm going to switch to my fab four four just fun fast questions first question tell us something that we don't know about you um i grew up in a pub um i lived most of my uh, childhood and adolescence um the pub was below our home and we lived above it that is very common. My mother-in-law from England also grew up in a pub. So that's something I've heard. Very unique. Okay, finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? The ability to trust where your heart is leading you and to act on it. Oh, I love that. I always get a different answer and it's just, love it. 
Okay, third question. Share with us a book that you're reading right now or one that maybe you have just finished, the title and the author, and why you chose to read it. Um, the book I'm presently reading at the moment is called C um, Sales IQ. And um, I'm always curious of how people interpret emotional intelligence, how it is leveraged, how it is used. And um, yeah, so at the moment, that is the book. And it's some really nice insights into the sales process and the way that emotional intelligence intersects with different parts of that process. And and who's the author? Oh, you're going to ask me. Um, Ian Book, book uh, Hats. As I think is the way it's called. Yeah. And it's probably intriguing for you to to look at the IQ within the sales process and then add in your schooling and expertise with yeah. emotional intelligence. It's probably a good read. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah. I love to do that and kind of just different different framing off of different knowledge is always great to see. Different perspectives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Last question. What is one thing that you would like our listeners to remember about you? Um, I would like them to remember that um, that as human beings, we have the opportunity to grow in our emotional intelligence each and every day. It's it's a great facet of of humanity, and no matter where you are in your career, in your leadership, no matter what age you are, today is an opportunity to be more emotionally intelligent and to make deeper connections. Well, and that's a lovely way to end the podcast. And I'm just, you know, another blessing of the internet is I have met so many incredible people that our past may not have likely crossed in life. So thank you for sharing your time and your expertise, and more importantly, your heart with me today. Thanks, Deb. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.